Hey everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sacred Resistance Podcast. This is episode 30, I believe. Yep. Episode 30. Uh, today was a great episode. We had on Susan Stanfield from Health and Justice. She's a human rights activist and a fellow Canadian, which is really nice because uh, she's fighting this fight for all of us, and she's a badass. Total badass. A uh, uh, unapologetic um, freedom fighter. Trying to think of some awesome words to describe her. <laughs> she's just great. She knows the law and she's fighting for us. And she's actually like, actually fighting for us. Like going to City Hall um, and and dropping her knowledge, which is great. Yeah. So in this episode, we talk a lot about what is happening. Um, and she tells us a little bit about of her background, of why she's speaking up, why she's fighting. Um, she's an author. She's a clothing designer. She's got a whole line of... Um, uh, human rights, freedom fighting clothes. So I'll make sure to put all these links in the show notes. Um, And she's a mom. She's an entrepreneur. uh, She's, she's just amazing. And she's, she's, the language has changed. She's not going to back down and be a typical Canadian where we're having our leg, our tail tucked between our leg. She is here to fight and to help people, educate people on our um, political system and what we need mm-hmm. to do. So listen, if you're Can- especially if you're Canadian, this is a really great episode of how to get your boots on the ground and get your hands dirty, so to speak. Yeah, and just get fired up to stand up against this shit. Because enough is enough, and our typical Canadian passive uh, passive shit is not working, and it's not going to work. And we can't just wait for somebody else to take care of it. We all need to gather together and take care of it. Yeah. <laughs> so let's do it, guys. Together we are stronger, so please let this be a... Um uh, fire under your belly to get going. This is going to be our first episode of 2022. And let's create a future, a future for our children, a future for our grandchildren that we're proud of, not one that we're just going to roll over and and take because I ain't buying it. Yeah, let's all take a big Freedom Viagra and stick it to the government. <laughs> <laughs> love that. All right, you guys, we love you all. If you're listening to this, you are the resistance. The sacred resistance. Hey guys, before we get on to our interview with our podcast guest, I just wanted to interject here a little bit about our clothing line that we have launched. I know we've been talking about this for a long time, but I just wanted to remind you guys that it is up and running. We have anything from men's to women's to clothing for little kids and babies, all sorts of gear to represent sacred resistance and things that say, like, my parents call the shots for little kids t-shirts and whatnot so check us out yeah yeah uh represent put on some put on some swag and represent show the world what you think we'll put the link to it in the show notes so um yeah thanks for thanks for being here with us yeah we love you all okay well in terms of covid i'll start with that I just happened to be kind of the right person at the right time with the right skill set when covid started Um, and because I have a background in human rights and I lived and worked in Africa for 12 years, watching gross human rights violations and working in that field. So when I saw what was happening in COVID, uh, at the beginning, right, April, February, March, April, 2020, 
Yeah. I knew that it was exactly what I'd been seeing in these broken countries, the way they've lived for decades, just completely screwed around by their leaders and the dictator part, the authority part, the authoritarian aspect. Yeah. And I was like, they're going to do to Canada what we've accepted seeing in other countries like Ethiopia, Afghanistan, these kind of places where I've lived. And so I just happened to be that right person. Not many Canadians have lived and worked outside of Canada for so long, especially in broken countries. Yes. So it was it was important for me to speak out because I knew that very few people had my background. And if I wasn't gonna start telling people what was going on, it might take a lot longer for them. And it also might take a lot longer for me and my children to be safe. Right. You know, I wanted my personal healthy, free life back. So I got off the couch, that's what I call it, and yeah. started blowing the whistle and screaming bloody murder. And I had specialized specifically in broken governance models. And so that's why I, I do what I do in the way I do that's unique to other voices. I really try and educate the average person and particularly women or families like yours, how to understand what our governance model is doing to us, where the problems are and where the winds are, what we could change and fix. So we have it for the future of our children and our grandchildren. We need a better governance model. That's yeah. Canada's main problem. So I try and stick to that lane. I sell t-shirts and do a bunch of stuff because I'm the breadwinner now, but I mostly am advocating for the education of Canadians around governance. And how do you do that? Like how, how can someone who is just now waking up to the agenda of what's happening, where's their best, where's the best place to go for them to learn about that type of thing? Okay. Well, if they come across someone like me or my social media channels or my website or meeting me, but I'm not in Canada right now, then they would get that. They'd get a flyer or a business card or a t-shirt. And hopefully it will open the door for them to go, you know what? I've never actually thought about our governance models in Canada from municipal to provincial to federal. Right. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not a cool topic. You know more about your iPhone in the past two or three years than you have in 40 or 50 years of living a understanding our governance model. 100%. Right? That's, not cool. That's not a cool topic. No. So I'm trying to make it cool and interesting and sexy and position it for children to learn about as well. And then once in a while, when somebody does grab on, and if they found me, they're probably interested in governance, then it's, I try and give them tools, the, you know, the first two or three easy steps, walk into your city hall, pick up the phone and have a meeting with your MLA spend time on all the government websites and understand how our governance models are structured. So in Canada, and I studied this at Queens for four years, I have a political science degree. We are what's called a, a mix, and this is our problem. We have a very complicated governance structure. We are a constitutional monarchy, but we're also a parliamentary democracy. Okay. And so if anybody's remotely interested in that idea, then they're probably gonna start learning about governance. But a lot of people will tune out with that and go, oh, God, boring yeah. uh, to that's not for me or they feel intimidated. But the truth is it, it's very accessible and interesting, especially when it affects your life so much from a parking ticket to yeah, having totally. a corrupt prime minister. So totally. I'm trying to make it more fun, more accessible, more mainstream. And the truth is the, the public servants, they don't want us to participate because it no. makes their job no. harder. They don't. And as soon as you, people hear, you're right. As soon as people hear that type of language, constitutional monarchy, they tune out. They're like, ah, oh, that's too much for me. That's that's I don't have that type of uh, knowledge or vocabulary. That's too much for me. 
Yeah, and the funny thing is, if you got you guys look like you're you know 15, 20 years younger than me, the um, so many industries have evolved into the 21st century, right? Like you think of how we you think of DoorDash, how we eat yeah. dinner now has completely yeah. changed. Well, our governance models have changed nothing in 150 years. Right. Yeah. Like there's still guy, there's still that guy sitting on the throne with the stupid wig on and yeah, that they wear those instrument yet. that he holds beginning of parliament like seriously yeah <laughs> nobody's exactly. interested in that i mean yeah. you just look at the house of commons and the the bloody green carpet and the chairs like it the is so thing. outdated that how could we ever attract young interesting talented people we can't we have to change everything the it, whole yeah exactly. it looks like a show is being put on which it's a theater be, production yeah a theater <laughs> production they've got their big wigs when i like i haven't i've only gotten into politics probably the last couple of years really um, and I, I was watching a video from something happening at parliament and I was like, they actually still wear those wigs. Like I was, yeah, my jaw dropped. Yeah. I can't even believe that was happening. Yeah. They're, they're like, I don't know. Yeah. It, it's awful. It's awful. And yeah. it's still like the taxes have only gotten worse and worse. And it's all like, it's supposed to be getting better and the government's supposed to work for us. And it's been flipped so much that it's like, we are scared of them and we're their peasants. It's like the government is our royalty. It's all it's all messed up. Well, and so in Canada, and this is the interesting part, and maybe you'll discover this in a different way and find your own truths in this. The, the government in Canada was never set up for us. And that's the great awakening. It was set up for the crown. Right, exactly. We are a constitutional monarchy. Everything about our system is geared to benefit Her Majesty the Queen. Totally. Now, I'm not talking about Liz, like she sits over there and gets money from us. All that part is gone. But the and I don't talk about politics. That's a whole different conversation, right? But if you look at the physical kind of architecture or the intellectual architecture of our governance models, and you really become, it's like opening your hood on a car and learning how to fix your car. You learn how to fix your windshield wipers. Man, is that ever powerful, right? You don't have to go to the, the guy at the garage anymore. Yeah. When we actually open the hood and look at how these governance models are built kind of from a structural standpoint, it's so easy to see the gaps and the holes and why we're suffering right now. It's right. not designed to benefit us. Exactly. It's what I try to tell people all the time. The government is not there. It's like they're not there for your benefit. They're there for their benefit. And then the final piece, and this is what I talk about a lot is that we really, and a lot of people, I'm 54 and my dad, my parents age, they're almost 90, right? And so they really understand the history of our governance, the evolution. We really now, because of the size of our governments in Canada, we really now have a completely different ruling class of people who work for the government and they're very separated from society and they rule over us and they see them as a separate class of society. Absolutely. They work for the government and it's so big and so protected and so lucrative for them there isn't this public debate anymore these guys run from us they run from their constituents when they see them that mm -hmm. that banter that friendly i'm representing you in 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 the parliament or whatever that's all gone yeah. we are literally being ruled over now instead of governed yeah and it's very different governance good governance models are fantastic they could really benefit our country if it was done properly but we're not being governed we're being ruled over now and covid yeah. was just the wake-up call for that yeah totally totally 
I feel like COVID was a Trojan horse is just ushered in. Like this was what they wanted. This is just exactly what they needed to just usher in all these draconian laws and rules. Yeah. And how it benefits them. Like I complained to a principal, this is in my book. And so my kids are eight and 10. So I go into the school. I complain to the principal. I say, you have to open the schools. You have to give our children the opportunity to build natural immunity. We've when they close the schools, right. Two years ago. We've paid for the teachers. We've paid the lights are on. Everything's paid for. Open the schools and allow the teachers who want to teach to come back in. Allow the children and families to come in, even if it's only half full. Give us that opportunity to use this public resource. Yeah. And instead of yeah, right, I was banged into the went into the door and stood there and, and said this. And you have to advocate this way. And he looked at me and he had two choices. He could have said, "Hey, you've taken the time to come here. Why don't you sit down? Let's have a cup of tea." That's the way it's supposed to be, right? Yeah. He didn't. He walked away and he said, I'm not engaging with you. And he shut his door on me. That's what he doesn't. He didn't see it as a part of his job to actually work for me, even though he's a public servant serving our families. He he doesn't see it that way anymore. He's not a bad guy. He just doesn't need to see it that way. And it benefits him not to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's I I think that so many people just close down the conversation rather than having a conversation with somebody they just shut it down and turn a blind eye. Like they don't even give people the the time of day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's where we are now. It's like, okay, great. And that's why I love working with younger people or or people who are over 50 or 60 because they're they think more like we do. Mm-hmm. It's this middle generation of sort of 35, 45, up to 50, who hasn't necessarily seen the previous decades of freedom, right. but they're not young enough to see the really bad stuff. Yeah. And we need to find the fighters like you guys or me who are going to get out there and they're not going to be intimidated by the fact that this is going to take a long time and it's going to be hard. Yeah. It could take us 10 years. It could take, yeah. take us 20 years. Right. Realistically, yeah. And we've got little kids too. Our kids are um, almost six and eight. And I'm like, there's no way in hell I'm going to stay quiet right now. And our kids aren't in public school. We we didn't go down that route. We're doing homeschooling and unschooling and just trying to get them as free as possible. Yeah. Yeah. And we make a point of like teaching them how important freedom is and they don't wear muzzles and they will not wear muzzles, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. But it's like, it, yeah. I mean, the next... I want grandchildren. That's my goal in life. I want grandchildren and it's going to bloody happen one way or another. So, you know, what it takes to get there is what it takes to get there. If it's shutting the, shutting the gate at the bottom of my commune and telling the world to F off for 15 years, then that's what it takes. Yeah. And I think that's, um, you know, the long, especially as parents, it's so great, the long-term perspective. So here we are in 2022 almost. And COVID started a couple of years ago, and let's say a couple of years before that, it really started. And then we've got another five or 10 years ahead of us. So we're sort of in the middle of this 20 year period, right? If you kind of look at it like that, right? step back and you kind of look at this 20 year period, it's much easier when you see it that way, that that Mm -hmm. life changes and you see, remember when your kids were babies, how different it was. And now you look back and you're like, oh my God, remember the baby years? And so I think that's what the, the opportunity is, is to start planning. Okay, so how are we going to make these changes over the next 10 years? When South Africa came out of apartheid, 
they set up a truth and reconciliation commission that you've probably heard of, Mm -hmm. but you might not know much about it. And one thing was, is they decided to spend three years listening to statements from people on both sides. And that was a three-year commission called the TNR, Truth and Reconciliation Commission. That's all they did for the first three years was listen to the suffering of those who had been oppressed and then listening to the oppressors say, I didn't want to do this. I was in power. I was told to, right? These white guys. Mm. And that's all they did for those first three years because they had that longer term view. Okay, we're going to get it all out for the first three years. Then we're going to do something with that info. So I always try and get people to think that way too. It's like, okay, so what should we do for 2022? What's the most important moves? We're not going to be able to fix it in in one year. Right. We can't be angry for the next year. So what are our our most important moves over the next 12 months to get us to, to the next part of the race? Yeah. Right. Passing the baton. So 2023, so 2024. And it's important to have that wisdom, especially working with intersectional activists or people from different cultures or ages. Mm-hmm. They will often be able to look back and look on a wider perspective of what we should be focusing on because we don't want to waste time or lose many more months or years. Yeah. Yeah. It's for time is precious right now, but you're right. It's not going to get fixed like that. We have to be smart about it and think about what attainable, how attainable these goals are and spread it out so that we can make them happen. Yeah. It's as if say Trudeau showed, I got on television and said, okay, I was, I lied. Um, it was all a scam. I'm looking for a hundred of the smartest young Canadians to come to Ottawa and fix this country. Like, say we were actually given that opportunity, okay? Yeah. What the hell would we do? Yeah. Where would we start? (laughs) It's easy to be angry at a broken system, but building and rebuilding, it's like renovating a kitchen. You don't want to just scrap it. You want to keep certain things and save money and save time. So how how we get the dialogue and the discussion to that next place with people like you who have audiences. Okay, so what kind of a Canada do we want? Let's start building it. You know, yeah. I don't really, I don't have many answers yet. I, I know some, I know a few answers. Mm-hmm. So that's an exciting prospect to, to put it out there to Canadians. Okay, let's redesign and rebuild our country. Mm-hmm. Everybody in, everybody start working. Then we can really have some fun with it as well. Totally. It's, yeah. it's the, the create. And I, I keep saying, I think the artists right now, like people who are, who can paint and draw and make poetry and make songs, like they're the ones that are in the creative mode. And I think we need to collaborate with them because they, they can see a vision. Whereas some, someone who is just angry, they don't have a vision. They just want to end what's happening. Right. So we yeah. need to work. The anger is good too, because it's going to make a change, but we need to work with the artists and the creators to move forward into a yeah. cohesive, yeah. better future. Our, our government has been over time infiltrated and, and corrupted. And now it's full of rats and weasels and they need to be squeezed out. Yeah, and I think the good thing that's happening, I'm I'm all, all for this, particularly because I've traveled and lived in so many countries. I just ignore all the, the rot. Like I really just do. You know, oh, I got yeah. a driver's license and a passport, and that's pretty all I have anything I have to do with the government. That's it. Yeah. So, you know, it will atrophy, and it already is, right? That's yeah. how Rome fell, the Roman Empire fell because of that. You know, that's how all these um, that's how the, the German and and what they were trying to do and France and stuff. These, these greedy, tyrannical societies that people attempt to build, 
they don't last. No, no, they don't. And so the more we all ignore them, the more they're going to, it's like the mainstream media right now. Have you guys seen how bad all of their ratings are? Nobody's watching them. Yeah. 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 So they're going to lose the people that are watching is that 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 age group that you just said that it's hard to wake up right now like the 30 40 50 year olds yeah or my dad <laughs> no. he's he watches cnn yeah certain certain people right and they're they're just going to get that group is going to get smaller and smaller every day over the next year and the one of the reasons why i focus on money and the private sector is it's such a powerful tool so now a lot of that advertising money is leaving the mainstream media and it's coming to people like you and me who are starting to get the eyeballs. And when you get the money on your side, then a whole different reality starts to happen, right? And you can yeah. see that in the American new media or open media, whatever you call it, totally. they're, they're get, their game is really upping and they're getting some serious money. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So I'm, I'm grateful for covid that it happened and that it happened when it did because I was tired of trying to get, and you guys probably feel the same way. I was tired of being told that the better, more beautiful world that I knew was possible was a fantasy and that I should just suck it up. And this is just the way life is. And I was tired of keeping my expectations for my life and my life in Canada low. And that's how a lot of us, I think, lived for the past 10 or 20 years. Well, I guess I'm not really going to get the country I want, but I'll just settle for what is possible. We just blew the whole thing open. Like now anything is possible, especially to have soulful, mindful, creative people like you're saying in on this is we can do anything now. And so that that's a gift of COVID because it all broke and breaking down. Yeah. I keep telling people like that one, just want to go back to normal. I'm like, really? Was that so great? Like, cause we were we were unwilling slaves before this happened. So what yeah. it was normal was not good to, to, to start with, you know? Yeah. yeah I love that. Um, you posted on your Instagram about um, being the creator of your future and you, you even put your goals for this coming year. And um, but I love that you're putting it out there. And so that's inspiring other people to put it out there as well. Right. Yeah. And that's like what you're saying, Jamie, that, I'm just going back to that. I had goals before COVID and Mm -hmm. I was about to reach them until COVID. And then I had to change direction. So that is a a more back to normal mentality. It's normal to plan for the year and have goals and not think, well, I guess I have to put everything on hold because the government's telling me to, no, we don't need to think, we don't need to think that way anymore, but I can see things possible for myself now that weren't possible before COVID. Yeah. Because I didn't have people listening to me. I didn't have people buying my fashion t-shirts. They get it now. And you probably feel the same way if you've been doing this for 10 years, especially with a brand, right? You have people that pay attention to what you're doing in a much more vivid way. We haven't been as public for 10 years. We've only been public like on social media for the last year, but we started doing our research about. Yeah. Yeah. We we woke up to the, to all the corruption in the world about 10 years ago and then started going down rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. Um, and the funny thing is once COVID it's funny how it's all connected, right? Like our, our wake up call was GMOs. Um, and then you get into the pharmaceutical industry and then you get into the, you know, uh, big tech, and then you get into, uh, the military industrial complex and it's all connected big pharma, military, military industrial complex, all that stuff stems back to the same place at the top of the pyramid. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I do think there's something going on with the Canadian weather that's connected yeah. to these these military guys and stuff. And we know it's possible. They know it, they do it in other places. Yeah. And that's why I really worry about Canada. That's why I wanted to leave with my children is we may end up being one of the worst affected countries along with um, Australia. Australia. Yeah. yeah, that's that's definitely I a concern. I think so, yeah, because Trudeau is, well, Trudeau is one of the, the main ringleaders of the G7. And yeah. I think that's a big part of, an established governance system, the G7, because that is a governance model internationally. I think they're all behind this and, and driving this because yeah. that's where our big Western countries are. And they've been meeting really a lot more than they ever have in the past two years. And Trudeau is, they think of him as the the, the godfather of the G7. Jesus. He's really, a, he is really leading it. So between China and all of our resources and the big empty land, you know, we have much farther to fall than a lot of these smaller countries. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know what resources exist in France. Do they have any natural resources anymore? I mean, they got the cheese and the nuclear power, but <laughs> look at, look at what's under the ground in our country. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah seems, definitely. Yeah. This is a gold mine. It's a and, gold mine here. And we're a baby country compared to somewhere like France. Like they, it's, it's the new exciting, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. Like it's different than places in Europe. Like yeah. it's um, not untouched, but it's. So do, do so? Do you think that uh, um, Trudeau is Fidel Castro Jr.? God, what an interesting question, eh? Well, <laughs> I, I like to look at can. things. The, the resemblance is uncanny. Yeah, for sure. I like to look at things practically, and it is practical that his mother had a sexual encounter with Fidel yeah. Trust, Castro. That's possible. Yeah. And look at Schwarzenegger, the, his housekeeper. Yeah. raised a child in their house so we know that's possible so yeah. why not yeah that's yeah. right yeah totally and so many of them are just like in open relationships and mingle oh with. yeah yeah and she was she, she was like 20 something when she married pierre trudeau and he was 50 something and they were known swingers and i've seen photos of fidel castro holding trudeau's brother while standing with trudeau's mother like they look, uh, the resemblance is uncanny. Like I said, it's just too many coincidences. And he's frigging commie. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the, the thing is, I don't, I don't think that he thinks of himself that way. I don't think he would use that word, right? Like I yeah. think the globalist, the, the beyond sovereign nation, the global mentality is where he's going with this. I think he very much sees is trying to emulate and build an international order yeah. more than pure communism. I think that's what he's doing. Yeah, I think he likes right. the social credit idea or the controllability, but I, I think also because he's from Quebec and Quebec runs Canada like a gang. I mean, right. that's, that's our main problem are these Quebec power elites, right? And so he's grown up in that system and I don't know how they, what the average Canadian, if we all took a vote on it, you know, if the average Canadian would want things to be very different than they were before covid um like what they yeah. what they would come up with if they went into that room those hundred people and came up yeah. with a different country i yeah. wonder how different people would want it because well, we don't want to lose the the wealth and the prosperity and the safety and the rule of law i mean that's the most important thing right we've got to get our rule of law back yeah i i don't mean like 
Hmm. It's it's tricky because I, I am a bit of an anarchist in that, like I I don't I don't want to burn it all down. I just feel like we could do it without so much without so much rule. Like I don't want to have to keep asking permission. I live my life under the principles of karma. I would never hurt anybody or do anything to to affect anybody else's pursuit of happiness. So having said that, leave me alone and don't tell me what to do. I want to live my life that way. Yeah, and that's the way it used to be, right? In Canada, it was a lot more like that. I grew up in the 70s, and mm. the average, that's just the way it was. I mean, yeah. the TV stopped at 11 o'clock at night. There was no TV after 11. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, it's gotten... Well, how, how old are you guys? Uh, 40, I'm 42. I'm 37. Oh, so you're not that much younger than me, about 10, no. 15 years. Okay, yeah. 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 And so how... How do you see this happening in your social networks, friends and family? Is it pretty typical to everybody else right now? Like more, more, are people afraid? I mean, are they still, are they still buying it in your community? It's very divided. Right now? Uh, it's very divided. It's, it's really divided. We don't, we don't gather with very many people who are still afraid. Um, I think partially because they don't want to be around they're so us. afraid of us. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, we moved, we were living on the coast and when COVID, we were actually in Mexico when COVID got proclaimed that there, that there was a pandemic and both Jamie and I are like, okay, here we go. It's yeah. happening. Yeah. This is, it's coming now. The big bullshit is hitting the fan. So, so we, we put our house on the market and we moved up to the interior because we wanted to get out of the city really. Um, but we started, we tried to reach out to people and explain, and they're like, that would never happen. This would never happen. Vaccine passports would never happen. Yeah, That's, we, that only happened in a third world country. And both of us were like, dude, like it's coming. These like, are family members. We tried to warn like, like two years ago, we we're warning them. Okay. This is coming vaccine passports, social credit. It's all on the way. And we were called crazy and we're like, okay, well don't say we didn't warn you and not like but the funny thing is now they're like just going with it. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, like whatever. we didn't, like we, like we, yeah, you said that, but you know, whatever, of course, like, like it's all okay. They wouldn't do this for nefarious reasons. This is all for our best interest. Like really guys. But it's, having said that, we've also met some incredible people, our age, older, younger, yeah. all different ages that, that are, have been awake to the bullshit from the beginning. And because yeah. they've done their research, they knew about event 201 and they know about the SPARS um, documents that are online that people can read. And so, there so with, are, with losing, it's a painful process with losing people, you gain you gain, you lose some sheep, sorry for using the terms, but you lose some sheep and you gain some lions. Yeah, yeah, definitely, for sure. And I um, I feel like there will come a moment when a lot of us will have those people come back into our lives. I don't know how long yeah. it's going to take. Yeah. yeah. That's also something that has always happened in history, right? That the uh, people do, when they wake up, they're like, oh my God, they were right all along. I never saw it. Not Maybe not everybody, but that will come. Yeah. Yeah, I think in the next year it's happening here in England. There's yeah, I was a lot gonna of ask you what because like the families is. are very close. Well, the families are bigger. Uh, they're closer. They still live closer. You know, like I live in a neighborhood and there's 14 cousins oh, of awesome. my, like my little son, his best friend has 14 cousins and they all live within a four block radius. It's crazy. Yeah, and that's not uncommon, especially in the more working class part of the country where I am up north. 
So they have two things on their side. One is they have a media that is still criticizing the government and probing. They have a lot of older journalists here that we don't have anymore that are still mm -hmm. active working journalists over the age of 50. That's and amazing. So they're, yeah, they're calling bullshit. And um, it's an older, more diverse industry. Uh, so they have that. And then they have the history of the British people who traditionally have never trusted their government. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Never. And the the Labour Party was one of the more favored parties over the past 50, de 50 years, five decades. And the Conservative Party is in now. So there's a huge amount of hatred towards the Conservative Party just because they're conservatives. Yeah. And so right. it's helping our movement because they're looking at the government with more scrutiny than they did before. So Boris Johnson didn't bother showing up to the last press conference two days ago. He's under investigation now by the police. I saw that on your Instagram yeah. and I hadn't it's heard huge. that. Under investigation by the police. Okay, what's going on with that? Okay, so because the move because people in our movement are now moving this towards criminal, yeah. um, and a criminal this being a criminal issue rather than civil, it's not like these guys just made a bad judgment call. Right. They committed crimes, right? right. They're yeah. committing crimes. So as soon as something goes criminal and you start to involve law enforcement, because that's the first step, like if you guys were robbed, the first thing you do is phone the police, right? right. And it moves into a criminal world. Mm -hmm. You don't say, oh, the guy probably made an, uh, he, it was an accident that he broke into my house. It immediately moves into a criminal world. So that's where this is going in the next year. And the UK, I think, will be one of the first, although there's two other European countries, that are now criminally investigating public servants, the top public servants. Um, and they're one of the reasons is that the, there's 6 million um, veterans in, in Britain who served all the way back to the Falklands, to Iraq and Afghanistan. And most of them are angry and pissed off at the government because they know they were used. And so they're going after the government now with law enforcement and they have a great solidarity between cops in London and veterans in Iraq. You know, they're from the wow. same cloth, they're cut from the same fabric. So I wouldn't be surprised if we don't see Boris Johnson on television again. It may be the end of him completely. That's what a lot of people are saying. Cause if he gets up there and starts saying stuff that's not true, he is literally burying himself from a criminal standpoint. And oh. it was very unusual that he oh. wasn't on TV the other night and people, there's a lot of gossip and talk right now. So. So do he's, you think, he's probably got lawyers advising him, right? You know, yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely. He does. Do you think this has any legs? I, I I'm, I'm, I'm skeptical to get excited now with litigation and things like that, because we got all excited with Rocco Galati a little while ago, and there's been like almost things happening. And then all of a sudden crickets, nothing ends up happening. I'm just like, I'm so at this point, I'm like, ah, it's like, I, I don't want to get excited about anything until I see a head rolling on public TV or something. You know, there's been so many like get your popcorn moments. And at this point, it's like it's so stale now. Yeah. So, you know, totally right. But the law enforcement criminally investigating is not litigation. Right. So right. this this is different. OK, well, it it's not like the cops are going to go on TV and say, oh, we, we're, we're going to arrest Boris Johnson. Because right. he's yeah. Yeah. And there's a long way to go. But. And throughout history, you know, you do see these things. We did finally see Harvey Weinstein put into jail and yeah. people, yeah. people watched him do that for 30 years. That's At true. any moment it can happen. So between the United States and something that's going on here, and then maybe one more country, a lot of the European um, par uh, EU parliament 
um, candidates are speaking out. There's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes. So I would think if we give it six months, you might feel less hesitant to feel Excited. optimistic because this stuff will be percolating out. And and I just watched a video this morning about Lee Dun or Lee Dundas was speaking about all the um, flights and what's actually happening with the pilots down in the states and how there's major um, can't remember the language right now but stuff being filed against what it's so corrupt because they can't they can't jab these people with with un FDA approved medication and these pilots are having heart attacks and strokes and neurological issues while flying vessels full of people and i think that there's so much stuff happening in different areas it's hard to keep track of it all and to see where it's going yeah yeah and that's what i was saying before but we're in for a, a long journey here you know yeah. This, yeah. This, that kind of stuff takes years um, yeah. yeah, there's so much paperwork to to sift through now because like that is one thing like the pilots or, or the AE whatever the airline federal FAE FAA. FAA yeah whatever they're called they're breaking their own rules by allowing these pilots to fly without authorized you know without. by using medications that haven't been approved along with every other industry that's also breaking all these rules like once the litigation starts there's so there's miles of paperwork there's miles of rules being broken there's miles of laws being swept under the rug like so many crimes are being committed right now in every corporate corner yeah absolutely and and that's one of the benefits of this going are you guys still there yeah oh yeah yep. okay sorry that that's one of the main benefits of this going criminal is that when a criminal conviction happens, that individual can then be held financially liable for all damages. Mm. Okay. And that's that's really what will break this because nobody wants to be on the hook for even five or ten thousand dollars. Right. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing, right? Is the liability. Nobody wants liability. So we need to we need to find somewhere to put the liability and start making it happen. Well, if you look at one of the big, um, I guess it was a case when one, it was a class action. It was probably the biggest in the history of the United States was the big tobacco ruling. Yeah. And it was um, 20 states uh, were involved and it was five companies that were the defendants like J.R. Reynolds and all this stuff. And it was in the billions and it took years to bring to light. And once that was proven the criminal aspect was proven that's where all this money came the punitive damages and that's what brought the industry to its knees was that that criminal ruling and the amount of financial damages so it crippled the big tobacco for a long time and still they until they came up with um vaping which is big tobacco just you don't know it right exactly and that's where yeah. we need to go with with big pharma is is that big pharma they are the new big tobacco Absolutely. and it will come you know, it will come now. You did, you, you can't imagine if you saw somebody light a cigarette in an airplane or in a restaurant, yeah. but it, it wasn't too long ago when that was actually possible. It was possible up until probably when I was a I kid. Know. Yeah. Oh, but like I, 20 years ago, 20, yeah. 22 years ago, we I traded my truck in my newer truck in for an older truck last year. I bought a 2002 truck just so I wouldn't uh, to buy it outright and not have any payments. And there's ashtrays in the thing and the kids are like what is this what are these there's a cigarette lighter in the front and there's ashtrays in the back and it's a 2002. Yeah. 
Well, yeah. And I, I grew, my dad worked in Japan as a kid. And so I remember getting on flights and there, there was a non-smoking section and a smoking section. And I've always been sensitive to cigarette smoke. And I was like, this makes no difference. It's all recycled air. And I was like, this is horrible. Yeah. But then after a couple of years of traveling, eventually there was only non-smoking flights. Yeah. Yeah, so will, you know, we, I believe there will be a day where, and I think I will probably still be alive when I say at a dinner party, like you guys will be, yeah, remember when people used to inject themselves with vaccines? Yeah, yes. oh right? my gosh, right? please. Well, I'm like, like, I agree with what you said about like, people will come back to you eventually, like there's, they have a moment where they realize like a, like a moment of clarity, we're like, holy shit, I was duped. The very unfortunate thing about this situation is the people that are being duped are are jabbing themselves to a toxic disaster. Like they're boosting themselves into the grave, unfortunately. Yeah, but same same with big tobacco, same with smoking. I mean, it couldn't be even more blatant. People would stand there just inhaling this stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And then the doctors would be like, smoke camel, it's the best brand. So it will, so that will be the big thing, right? Who's going to be, it'll probably be in the States because they're so much more litigious and they're braver and they've got more money and more people. There will be some major, major um, criminal lawsuit with punitive damages that I think brings these shareholders to their knees and they must already see it coming. You know, the big pharma boards of directors and stuff, they must see it coming. Well, it, it's beyond me. Like Pfizer has some of the most, huge criminal charges against them and the have, biggest and in have, history and have paid out millions if not billions trillions. i think so their one biggest lawsuit ever in the his, criminal history it, is 2.3 trillion is what they paid and was that for vioxx that was uh i can't remember what that was for i don't know the name of it but I then think vioxx was one of the biggest and then in total they've paid out in the last 20 years i think 4.3 trillion more than any any anything ever but that doesn't matter because their profit is higher than their than their fines so which is insanity yeah. like we live well, in and this is what people need to understand and why what you guys do and what i do as well is so important just the fact that people are injecting themselves with products that a company that has any criminal charges against right. it i mean right. can you imagine if you fed your children bread from a bakery yeah that <laughs> was, was charged <laughs> criminally like yeah get out fast right <laughs> well, well johnson and johnson was allowed to create a vax after they put asbestos in their baby powder there was what was in the baby food formaldehyde or uh, aspartame or i don't remember you know, what it was they, yeah. they've put in poison in in everything for years and they've been busted too flat out putting asbestos in the baby powder they were doing it for however many years yet they're still allowed to keep creating products but at least i feel like people now like there's there's such a huge um awakening to like there's people that tons of people are getting injured from this and then they're speaking out and it's spreading word. And, and they're like, wow, I used to think people were conspiracy theories when they were warning us. And now like this one, girl, oh, our dogs just Rock. knocked something Holy. over. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, people are waking up. It's just totally, uh, unfortunately, unfortunately they're getting injured and waking up. Yeah. I know, I know. And I lost my mother from smoking. I mean, we all just watched people die from that. Not, yeah. not too long ago. 
know, you think yeah. about two or three decades ago, and now the the shock, like to, if I actually saw somebody light a cigarette in the a lobby of a building, if I was waiting for a meeting, you know, we would we'd almost laugh. It would just be so the behavior. And again, I can't. I was going to just bring back to that. What really pushed this needle with big tobacco, and this was a part of what the legal strategy was, was to position big tobacco and this lawsuit. Um, as exposing that smoking was bad behavior. They really worked on that. And they really had, they understood if they could get the public to perceive smoking as dirty, stupid, wasteful, then it was done. The industry was done. And so we need that same tactic with pharma to, right. to, to make people realize, oh my God, this is such a, this is a second, third, or fourth choice to build health. We need them right. to see, you know, that eating well, sleeping, oh. um, you know, hot, hot herbal drinks, you know, that's a better choice than yeah. this, than this sick care, this choices. But the truth is we're up against the biggest money in the world exactly. and that money works. And it's, it's, it's spent by very smart people who know what they're doing constantly. Somebody mentioned on the radio, I think it was here or somewhere that they were watching CNN and they counted like eight pharmaceutical ads in between yeah. the show yeah. where they ha have ads. There was only pharmaceutical ads. Yeah. There wasn't even any food or cars or anything anymore. It was just big pharma. So, and that, that's got to wake some people up. Well, exactly. And if it doesn't wake the, whoever that's not waking up is seriously asleep. Well, they're like what you said. They're they're non, non NPCs, NPCs, non, yeah, non player, non -player characters. characters, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Susan, um, let's if you could give Canadians just a little breakdown. What should what should people from our level be doing? Like who who don't have or even who don't have platforms? Like just a regular mom pop. So they should be contacting their local MLAs or writing letters. What do you suggest? Number one. Yeah. Okay. Well, great question. I think the most immediate opportunity uh, that will have the most impact is for people to get seriously involved with municipal governance, because those are a lot, those are probably 50 to 60% of the laws that affect our daily life. And that's city hall. It's right down the street from all of yeah. us. Yeah. And okay. we can stand in front of those people. We can walk in the building. And if we can make change there, then that's a protective measure against uh, unlawful provincial and federal laws. So they can't close the restaurants and the gyms if the city of Kelowna or Kamloops or whatever starts fighting the provincial and federal government saying, we're not going to do that to the residents of our city. Mm. So that's easy. And that it's a simpler set of laws. And a lot of the times people will know somebody who knows somebody who knows the, the guy who works for city hall. It's they're in our community, right? Yeah, they're, yeah. they're our family and friends. So that's a real hack. And even if we all just spent the next year working on municipal governance, wow, would we ever make some changes? And, yeah. and those are mostly the day-to-day -day laws like parking and eating. And it's uh, the next level obviously is provincial. So BC has a problem because our provincial government is on the island. Right. That's a real problem. If we had this, the government in Vancouver, we would have a much healthier, more transparent government, but totally. they're, just, they're in Victoria and they, they're invisible. How can but other provinces may be able to do that. Um, the Ontario legislature is right in Toronto, things like that for Ontario, right? So I would say that the average person can get involved with City Hall 
and they can see where the where's all the money going to look at other aspects of the government's the financial standpoint who's being put into place what how are these yeah. people voting we can watch mm. meet we can watch meetings on camera or we can go and sit in there yeah. and then that's a nice place for people to get their feet wet because it's less intimidating than federal politics federal politics is the most removed from our lives it's the hardest place to advocate because they really are in a bubble and you just can't access those people very easily. Even your member of parliament gets on a plane and, and spends half his year in Ottawa. He's not right. even in your community anymore. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. The reason, the other reason why the municipal governance is important is they're going to need the cities to put in the social credit system mm-hmm. 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 for the surveillance, for the cameras and all that. All of that stuff is going to be happening in municipal land and municipal buildings and structures and poles and whatever. Yes. So we can stop the social credit system from coming into place if the city is on our side. So if you're listening to this, we need to get as much people fired up as possible to actually get boots on the ground. Yeah, and it's a great mapping. It's so it's so rewarding because if you looked at the municipal boundaries of say Cologne or Kamloops, because you guys aren't in a city, right? Kamloops is the closest city. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at their geographical boundaries. How many square kilometers is it? What's the population? How many counselors? How many houses? How many parks? Like you really become an expert about the city because it is its own little world and it has its own government. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of power there. If we got a couple of hundred local Kamloops people to become expert advocates on justice in the city of Kamloops alone, that city would transform. Yeah. Yeah. There are and that's all you need to really focus on. You don't have to think about something in somebody else's community yet. Yeah. 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 We had a pretty decent uh, uh, gang of the People's Party for Canada that was gathered in Kamloops. And they were they were pretty active for a little while there during election time. But uh that obviously went nowhere, but there was a there was a good group of people that were, you know, a lot of a lot of people on the streets holding signs, doing rallies, doing going some good to stuff, city going hall. to city hall, signing papers. We even had one guy who uh, who went and delivered to every principal in um, the entire school board in everywhere from, you know, seventy Clearwater. miles that way all the way to Kamloops. Every every school he delivered notices to, saying you notices of liability, notices of liability for the vax for the kids and for masks and everything like that. So people are doing stuff for sure. You just not we're not hearing a lot about it. No, and again, it it comes back to the sense at the end of the day, people go home and they're like, okay, well, but I still don't have the power that I want because it's mm-hmm. up to these elected people. They're in the building, mm-hmm. and I think that that one of the um, most powerful things to focus on is, which is what I, I focus on a lot, is helping people understand their perception of their society and their life in that society is the, the most powerful driving force of what a society becomes. So if a society believes that they're victims and they're poor and they don't have yeah. opportunity, they that's how they will live for decades. Yeah. If a society believes that they are, are powerful and that they can take back justice, then that's what that society will become. Because you see that all over the world. There's places in Italy that are incredibly democratic and free. And then there's places that are not, just you know, a few hours away. So it's the result of what the people believe almost even more so than what their actions are. Because when people believe something, they start living it every day. And if we could make people believe that not only was this change possible, but that it was preferable and desirable, you know, that it was worth it. 
Yeah. It's possible to change governance in Kamloops and it's going to be worth it. Then you get then you get way more people off the couch who are really willing to fight because they'll fight for what they believe that they want and is possible for them. If people don't believe that the change they want is possible, they typically statistically they don't do much. Yeah. Yeah. They just hang out in the background, they don't do much. And if you ever want to share a video that explains this well, it's Becky Bond who designed the campaign for Bernie Sanders, his first campaign, and she's a genius. And she did something with his numbers that nobody had ever done in American politics before. And she talks about it and it's about mobilizing large numbers of people. Is and it? she talks a lot about these theories and concepts. Yeah, Becky Bond. Um, and she talks about that, that if it's a big, if, it, if it's gonna solve a big problem and it's a big ask, people will really go the mile for it. If they think it's gonna be a small problem, and it's and it's a small ask of them they will almost do nothing yeah. and she explains that from a from a psychology standpoint and what they found working in communities so that's yeah, a I'm good place look. to start i'm gonna look yeah. for that video i'll even repost it on our our instagram page I'll, I'll, yeah it's I'll, called big big mobilizing or big big something okay i'll just look up becky bond mobilizing large numbers of people yeah yeah well, a lot of people talk yeah, about 12... sorry just going to say, it's a 12-minute video. It looks like a TED Talk. It's not TED, but she's standing on a stage and she's, she's speaking. Okay, awesome. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I wanted to ask you, a lot of people talk about like society splitting into two, like the people who want to go live in the technocratic uh, smart cities with uh, social credit scores, and then people like us who just want to live in our own communities out in the country and do our own thing. And people, there's a lot of people saying, yeah, there's going to be two, there's going to be a divide. Do you see the Canadian government allowing us to live free and sovereign while they all gather in their smart cities? I think what's happening, say what's happening before COVID is they feel like they're just as smart as we are. They know they're very realistic about what they control and they probably feel like they're going to be able to get somewhere between 70 and 80% of the people. Mm -hmm. that's what they want and even i think with the vaccines their numbers are 85 percent. that's what they're gearing for they don't think they're going to get 100 yes. so they never really had that before COVID anyway because there were so many canadians who would live separately in a way you know they didn't yeah. i mean look a few people vote yeah right yeah that's a big part of it right so i think now though after this past year who knows what the hell they're thinking because we have won and we're going to keep winning and they're not going to be able to do much of any of this anymore. We have to undo some bad laws. Like we got to get these travel laws changed yeah. back again and get all this quarantine act, all the amendments they've made and stuff. They're going to try, oh, yeah. but it's going to get harder and harder for them every week and every month. It's really going to get harder. So I don't think that they're having these great, uh, we won meetings at all. I think they're, I think they're nervous and mm -hmm. they're going to, paralyze us for maybe another year because they've got the stupid bureaucratic group think yeah. and they're not they're not um they're not mavericks you know politicians yeah, and bureaucrats aren't mavericks so who knows what they're going to do but in the meantime we're all just off to the side rebuilding society and that's what the germans did and that's how the wall came down that's what the blacks did in south africa they built a completely different economy that the whites mm -hmm. had no contact with and it's a much bigger economy Mm -hmm. so it's all it's already 
happening. Um, I don't know. I see like the Canadian government just sort of atrophying and becoming yeah. irrelevant. And it's something that people just won't really pay attention to in the future until there's some big changes. Mm-hmm. That was, you touched on it there for a second, um, traveling. I was going to ask you, do you have any tips on traveling for people who want to travel unvaxxed, unmasked? Well, it seems like the most, um, for Canadians specifically, so Trudeau and El, El Gabra, his um, Minister of Transport, have unlawfully and illegally, you know, threatened and won against our Canadian airlines. So they've threatened the airlines with such big fines that it's the airlines that aren't allowing us to fly without right. masks and stuff. So but they can't do that to companies that aren't Canadian airlines. So if you get on a, a Air Mexico flight, right they can't they can't control a foreign uh airline that's coming in and out outside of their jurisdiction or their governments or the airport say so you got to wear it in the airport but you don't necessarily have to wear it in the plane right right but i think the the most immediate hack is is that people are starting to fly private and they're starting to spend a lot more money on flights to get on planes or charters to literally buy their way out of this mass uh, transit system that we used to use, and it's gonna the market will split, and they'll the prices will come down. I'm in just the gonna say that travel. the prices in the private will come down, just like airline tickets used to cost yeah. thousands of dollars. In general, once more and more people started doing it, the prices came down. So well, well, if it, we can do that privately, but it's, it's coming back into our country that it's like they're not they're not allowing people to come back into our country that are unvaccinated. Well, okay, so that's not really a truth. And I don't say that to be argumentative, but no, I'm happy to are, yeah, hear this. Shed yeah, some people, light. So people are coming back in, and this is what happens to them. They get a fine and they get a five or six thousand dollar fine, and then they contest it, uh, like I did, and the fine disappears because right. none of this can stand up in court. So we have to move away from that thinking, well, you can't do this and you can't do that. And that's why right. I started traveling just to actually see what I could do. And even the travel agent that I went to, to get my tickets and stuff, he didn't even have the right information. Okay. So I went just, and got it myself. You just have to be brave and willing to know, you have to know that it's an illegal fine that you're going to get and throw it in the trash and, or, or dispute it or whatever needs to happen. You just have to know that you're not going to have to pay that fine. Yeah. And the people who get off off the airplane planes and they're in the airports and the buses are there to take them to quarantine hotels you just have to walk right past that shit right yeah right right, right. yeah i've seen it so i've no seen thing. videos i've oh, seen gosh, videos of people walk, oh fuck have at her. <laughs> i've seen people videos of people walking right through it all you just have to put up a fight at like 10 different gates it's a it's a pain in the ass and it's a huge hassle but people are getting getting past it yeah and i do think at some point the money will be on our side because all of all of this tyranny costs a lot of money and let's assume that some of this money is going to run out well they're not going to be they're not going to have any money to keep doing this to us it will run out it might be another couple of years but all of that costs money and usually that faces far more scrutiny like why are we spending all this money on all these security guys and buses and taking people the the finance committee will rip that apart more so than the human rights committee and they'll 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 scrap it because it's such a waste of money and it's public money. Right. That's why um, we we were able to get these signs down. Did you see them at the Vancouver airport? They hung these signs in the arrivals lounge, international arrivals. One section was For if you're vaccinated. vaccinated. Yeah. 
and they were the big green federal signs, right? Yeah. So they were ordered and procured and paid for. It was probably like twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars. Well, they were removed within a week. We had such a strong lobby against it, and we wow. went after YVR, the board of directors, and the CEO and the management team because they run YVR as a private corporation. And the government just um, has regulations that they have to obey by. And so that we could do that with anything. And we can do that with all of this. Um, it's just a matter of how informed people are willing to be. And people are getting more brave, too, I think. Yeah, I think the yeah, bravery yeah. factor is going up. And yeah. thank you. Thank God for people like you with righteous people with balls of steel to go ahead and, and actually stand up and and approach the government and serve them and lobby them and say, no, you fucking can't do this, you know, because if, if nobody did, it would be over. It would be over. Yeah. And I, I realized that three years ago when I had four, three or four best friends, moms at the, on the playground at the school and not one of them was from Canada and they had only been in Canada for less than two, three years, and they were not going to stand up to the pharmaceutical industry in our school because they were waiting for things like temporary residency and citizenship. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, holy shit, they're not going to do anything. They're like, Susan, you have to do it. Yeah. And I was like, wow. So how many people in BC are like them? And there's a lot. We have a yeah. lot of new Canadians and they're, they're never they're never going to challenge the system because they're way more afraid. That's uh, And I was really disappointed that a lot of my personal friends and family didn't speak out because I come from the old Canadian stock. You know, my family's been here for 200 years. And there's a lot of my friends and family that are very, very old Canadian families. And yeah. I thought they would get out with me and fight for what we knew was our freedom. But very few of them, none of them did, to be honest. Yeah, you really, it, it, people's bravery level really comes to light right now. And I had nothing to lose financially because I was already in a independent financial reality with my husband and I and our business. Mm -hmm. I'm very compassionate towards most of these people where yeah. my, like my, my cousin, he's a very high paid doctor in the BC system and he's got two ex-wives and two houses and four children and he just can't afford he would have lost everything. Whereas I didn't have much to lose and I, yeah. I bounced back from losing what I did have pretty quickly. Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough spot for him to be in. And I, you know, it's, it's easy for me to sit here and say, fuck every doctor who took their Hippocratic oath and is now pushing this fax. Um, and I still do feel that way, but, but it's, he's in a tough spot for sure. For sure. Yeah. And unlike you guys who have known about this for so long, I, I haven't thought about these things as long as you have they, a lot of Canadians may still not understand the the brutalness of what we were what we are actually losing the freedom and the privacy because it's not like we're seeing tanks roll into the cities and no. they're killing people with weapons yeah. it's so much more subtle and people don't realize what they're losing exactly well, and there's so much more distraction like people are people are unwilling to to realize what is happening like you posted about that new netflix movie which we have yet to see it's on our list to see um uh don't just look up look up or, or don't look up or something like that that one yeah um, don't look up don't yeah look up and it's like they're too distracted with hollywood they're too distracted with social media they're too distracted with just their their little lives that they are unwilling to see the bigger picture <laughs> and that's exactly what's going on 
exactly what's going on. I mean, well, and you know what I'm what I'm looking forward to to seeing. I don't want to see this, but I think it's going to happen. I bet you there's going to be ten or maybe even twenty million Canadians that love the social credit system. Oh yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're going to love it. Yeah, for sure. And I can think so, of a few of them off the top of my head right now. Yeah, and so in all fairness, it's like okay, we'll let them. I can't tell them. Yeah they can't have something if I'm really going to advocate for freedom and rights they have the right right so then how is that going to work because we actually have to share the country let how do we create a society where they can have that and they can be tracked and traced and get their good points from the government without infringing on my rights because I don't want to be tracked and traced and I don't know who they no. do with the government are I'm, we going to be able to actually live well, you know China is different yeah. because I think they beat you up if you don't follow the social credit system but i don't think that's going to happen in canada i think that it really will be voluntary that's like, yeah, that, <laughs> and that's that was like the question that i had for you yeah like like if you've seen the movie elysium with matt damon like all these people who want that live on a floating smart city and all of the other people are these like scrap garbage living in a, they throw all their garbage off of their floating island of paradise and we all live in their trash heap on the dirty rats oh my god is that what the movie is about yeah yeah <laughs> yeah but the difference will be is that we won't be eating anybody's garbage people may want want us to think that way exactly. we're going to be living in uh, a clean wonderful beautiful world and part of society as long as they don't come for us and so well, that's, that's the big a, question will the big concern, will yeah. the militarization of our society become a reality exactly and, and it's scary with a guy like trudeau at our helm i mean we've seen chinese military training here we've seen like this He's in bed with China completely. And it's just, he's, he's, he's a scary guy to have at the helm here right now. Well, did you see what he said the other day about Beijing? It was interesting. He, because of the Olympics, I, I think know. he held back the delegation. Yeah, he held back a political delegation and said, they're not going to Beijing. They're not going to the Olympics because of the human rights uh, violations. It wasn't athletes. He didn't stop athletes, but he he made a, a decision that was more favoring how people like you and I think, and that was quite huh. a surprise because he doesn't speak about that sort of yeah. stuff. Yeah, no that kidding. Is that a is surprise. yeah, yeah. Maybe maybe it's the old two for me, one for them. Like they they do that quite often. Like they'll throw us a little bone to make us feel like we're getting something, but they'll take two bones at the same time to make it not look completely obvious. Well, and leaders like him. Leaders like him are really in a in a corner because you know <laughs> he can't not criticize China for for other reasons. Like China didn't even show up to the COP twenty six in Glasgow. Oh, they said screw it, we're not doing anything with saving the environment. So how could a leader like Trudeau not criticize the, the Chinese Communist Party when they yeah. bail? on an issue that, he, you know, he spoke at it and he yeah. sort of touts it, his main thing and they completely snubbed it. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. <laughs> interesting. It, it is I'm, so I'm very grateful not to be in that society, no matter how hard it gets for people like you and I, yeah. I'm, I feel like I bought Dodge, the biggest bullet in the world. Oh, totally, man. There's no, thank there's, God. there's no wanting that blue pill. Oh, is that it? Is that it? We're, we're the red pill people. I've we're never quite figured that out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're the red pill people taking that blue pill is just going back to sleep and thinking that you're, you're really eating a lovely steak when you're actually eating a cockroach sandwich. 
<laughs> yeah, and I I rest assured in that no, truth of knowing. And I've, since I've studied this for so many years, and, and all through centuries and centuries of, I come from a very family famous British social uh, justice uh, activists, um, and that 200 years ago they stood up to the government and and fought and had a million people marching uh, for what they believed in. And so I look back at history and the future too, and I think you know I think that justice and humanity and nature in the in the end we're all going to be okay we, it's all going to be fine it's just a matter of um also enjoying your life at the same time like yeah. i made a commitment yeah. to my family and i that we were not going to go down emotionally that yes. we're not going to go down that road of feeling despondent and discouraged and and degraded like there's no way we were ever going to feel humiliated or degraded by what our government was doing we were going to park ourselves in a totally different mindset I love and that. keep thriving yeah. and keep being happy and that is always accessible to you until they come for the mind control yeah. <laughs> it's yeah, always exactly. Exactly. exactly exactly oh i love that season we recently watched uh, life is beautiful and i don't know if you've ever seen that film it's italian but uh, I talk about <laughs> talk, this. She's talked about it on every show. Somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, every show in the last two months, because we watched it two months ago. But it's 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 just mindset is everything. And that's something that I want to carry on with my kids, too. Like, we have to have a positive mindset. And that's though we're the people who are going to be adaptable and going to be able to roll with the punches if we have a good mindset. Mm. Yeah, think about what the our indigenous people, I mean, all over the world, but in our local ones, they just won, uh, the, the Cree in Manitoba just won an $8 billion settlement for uh, crappy water for 25 years. Wow. Yeah. Which is, yeah, it's. A, I'll send you the link if you're interested in the yeah, story. Please. It's a female, it's a woman litigator and Cree, uh, she's a hereditary chief. She, she advocated the litigation. But um, can you imagine what they've had to endure for 150? Yeah, no 50 doubt. years at the hands of our government. No yeah. kidding, hey? Yeah. yeah, that's a whole nother rabbit hole. Well, Susan. But my um, girlfriend who is uh, Haida always says, oh, we're all Indians now. She goes, now you know how we've yeah. been living. And they joke right. about it. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So where, like we've, I don't want to take too much more of your time and we so appreciate you being here and coming on our podcast. Um, where can people find you? Okay, so I'm, uh, I sell my products off my website. So any sharing of that is great because I'm selling a book and my shirts and this is how we I do all my other content for free. I can keep everything for free. So that's healthjusticetees.com. Okay. And then I'm started doing a daily morning show on my Instagram and the views are going up, which is nice. It's a nice audience there. Uh, when I'm not banned Facebook, I use my personal name, which is Susan Stanfield. And I have a ton, I think I've got over 20,000 followers there. So that's, that's a nice um, older group. I think the women are a little bit older on my Facebook page. And then the Instagram is at health and justice. You've got that one. So that's it for now. I I don't do telegram. I don't do any of the other stuff, but my, my website and the videos at the moment, uh, because of this convergence that's about to happen, I've been positioning myself and my brand and the way I look and the way I speak to be considered by a more mainstream media um, outlet to pick up my, my content. I'm, I've been waiting for that, like for two years, literally, because that's who I am and that's who I speak to. Okay. So yeah, that's working on Instagram. And this is the new show that I've done. It's 30 minutes called, I'm calling it justice for all morning show. 
And I'd like to build, I'd love to have a bigger audience for that. I'd like to build that out and get more women also telling me what kind of stories they want to hear, what kind of research they would like someone like me to do on their behalf. Okay, awesome. Well, I'll, I'll take a peek at that. And sorry, I could just come in. Hey, we're almost done. We're almost just done. give us a couple more minutes, okay? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> <laughs> a little we got a little there. built in timers. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I'd I'll... love to send you guys. Also, I want to send you a copy of my book as a, a thank you. And oh, if you want gosh. to, great. yeah, thank read you. it. And then if you want to give it away as to somebody, to a guest or as a prize or whatever, and helps. Yeah, well, there's going to be lots of hacks in it. Pay it Sweet. forward for yeah, sure. For sure. That's awesome. Thanks, oh, Susan. Thanks, Susan. That'd be amazing. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Well, wonderful. I really appreciate this. It's always an honor and. Oh. to find you discover your brand i'll share it i'll share some photos and stuff too because this is like where what we're talking about lots of times in the interview is we're building a new society we're building a new economy and exactly. the more people discover you and me through stuff like this the safer it's all going to be for us exactly yeah yeah, yeah. so it. thank you so much i'll i'll send you the link to this episode once it's up and um i will touch base with you on instagram i if you're okay i'd love to have your picture so that i can put it on our instagram for with tied to this podcast okay i'll send you one now okay awesome and then i'll send you the link when yep. it's up um I, might I, want, post- yeah, I wanted to say go ahead i just just want to say i want to say one more thing i love the fact that you guys are using the word sacred and also resistance but um this this is where I'm hoping the world goes, you know, more of a sacred, spiritual, soulful place that this is the big opportunity of COVID that we spend so much of our time in our head and our intellect and rationalizing all of this bad behavior and accepting it and going, oh, yeah, well, that's just the way the world is. But we never do that when we're in our sacred, soulful, spiritual lives. We, We don't ever lower our standards. And I would love to see that become more of a mainstream idea that life is sacred, that our lives and our children and our health is sacred. So good choice on that. I love it. Thank you very much. That's you awesome. just made me emotional because that totally resonates um, on yeah. a deep level, because I think for so many years, I, for one, just tolerated the the evil in the world. And it wasn't until I had kids that I was like, I'm not tolerating this anymore. Yeah, exactly. And then you, then you stop, right? And you yeah. become a leader and people start seeing things the way that you that you speak and the way you live so yeah, yeah. Oh, thank okay you. well thanks again guys i really awesome. appreciate it that thank was a, you susan a great chat and a good episode and we'll we'll keep in touch yeah for okay. sure awesome thanks Sounds susan. Good. take care have a nice evening enjoy your kids you yeah, too, thank thanks. you you too <laughs> bye-bye bye-bye